The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 74 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry with me, Adam Candy, Dustin Galker. You can find them on Twitter and you should Adam Candy. That is two E's. No, why Dustin Galker? If you want to follow me, which you should not I have no idea why you would at Matt Brown M2. We are on all the places you listen to podcasts. So please go in, subscribe, rate and review Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, all those different places. We do appreciate that. So we're going to take a look at some numbers as we do each uh, each time that these come out. And this is some pretty interesting numbers at that. No doubt about it. We'll talk about some uh, pretty interesting developments in the televised golf world when it comes to betting as well. Another we've talked about this several different times on the podcast of how we think that this maybe is a sport that has the most to gain through legalization in the country. But go, guys, let's go ahead and kick things off here in Dustin. Uh, Barstool. And it seems like every single week we have something to say about Barstool. That being said, this one is something that is just a legitimate, it's a legitimate story. It's not like we're picking on Barstool. It's just something that needs to be said. I mean, maybe Barstool should sponsor us at this point, but we do so much <laughs> content and uh, and stuff about them. But no, not not actually. Don't that's not going to happen. But um, <laughs> yeah, the the latest one is came out of a, another podcast that uh, the founder of Barstool Sports, uh, Dave Portnoy, did uh, saying he spent the first fifteen minutes of it talking about how he basically pulls all the strings at Barstool Sportsbook. Now was we. We've had some questions about this because he's posting mm-hmm. all the time these big five figure. I don't think he's done a six figure bet, but he's done lots of bets at with, claiming to have done lots of bets at Barstool Sportsbook. We didn't get this podcast where he's saying, yeah, everybody at this company basically reports to me. It's not a direct quote. I can get the direct mm-hmm. quote if you want. But everybody but the CEO of Penn National Gaming, which bought bars, bought a, a minority stake in Barstool to use it as a sports betting platform. They report to me. They, they have to they have to if I pick up the phone and I call them, they better answer to me right away. And they have to they have to do what I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's some you know, that's that's problematic, obviously, if you are if you're running the sports book or quote unquote a key employee. This is again, they're only operational in Pennsylvania. They are. Uh, but in Pennsylvania and, and in every regulated state, you are not allowed to bet on your app if you're a quote unquote key employee or whatever the, the equivalent uh, language is in that state. It's a problem, right? You can't be running the sports book, have, you know, right. have the keys to the sports book and then also be betting at it. So it's not cl- what one not clear. Is he actually betting on the app? He's telling us he does. Two, does he actually have this love of control? Again, he's telling us directly in a podcast 
that is apparently pretty uncensored saying, yes, I have con- this control over Barstool Sportsbook. So that's where we come in and we're like, wait a second, there's nobody else doing this. This, is, this seems to be a problem to an outside observer like us. So Adam, I, this is, I know the, the Jersey rule is for a key employee, not even on your own stuff. You cannot bet in that state at other places, like at all, like it is one of those things where if you are in that, if you are a key employee in that, in that market, you can't bet anywhere. And so I imagine it's probably the same. I can't speak, I can't speak for Pennsylvania, but probably pretty close at least anyway. So now this really does kind of beg the question is, is he the boss or is he the spokesman? Because there are two very, very different things right there. We know a spokesperson can do all of these other things. But if you're the boss, it's different rules for you. And we've been asking this question, Matt, from long before the podcast. I mean, I first put this question to Pennsylvania regulators probably three weeks ago, and I thought that I was coming at it from the angle of he's a principal Mm -hmm. in Barstool Sportsbook. Of course, that's not accurate. But then we came and came back at it with the key employee piece, and that seems fairly hard to uh, miss the miss the distinction there, right? Mm-hmm. Because the man is the face of the entire thing. And I know that's for marketing purposes, but if you say they answer when I call, and if you say they answer to Jay, who's Jay Snowden, mm-hmm. the CEO of Penn National Gaming, and they answer to me, and you're talking about the fact that you yourself are dictating promos to the sports book. What am I missing? Yeah. What am I missing in terms of your level of control into the input of the book and all of his toadies are out there on social media tagging him when we put a story out there saying, what do you think about this? I don't care what he thinks about this. I care what Pennsylvania (laughs) regulators think about this. Right. Yeah. I mean, so let's look at it even further. You know, I mean, even if it's not from regulators, right? I mean, this is also typically a company policy for a lot of different companies. I know people who are not even key employees who are way further down the line that if you work for said company, you are not allowed to gamble at said company. And that even includes like playing in the poker room, which as we know is peer to peer and isn't even like kind of playing against the house. You know, I mean, this is literally people just taking everyone else's money as opposed to playing against the house. And they still don't even allow that. And so this even kind of like takes us a, a step further where even if the regulators, if, if this hasn't popped up on the regulators kind of radar yet, Dustin, even within a company, right? Like, shouldn't there be a policy in place where it's like, eh, we probably shouldn't be doing this just as a company. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you and I know this was uh, daily fantasy yeah. sports too, right? Yeah. This is what, this is what uh, back in 2015, this is what started a mess in, in daily fantasy sports. So I don't know. I don't think we're being that alarmist by bringing this issue up and yeah, you like you there's, there's, it's bad optics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like some people are like, Oh, whatever you can bet it. You can bet whatever. It's just uh, it's just good interaction. I, I, I don't know. I don't buy that. And again, they made, they made this rule for a reason. It's not just, uh, put it willy nilly yeah. out there for, for, for no reason. So yeah, I agree. It's like, this is a, and who, and here's the part we don't know. Is he embellishing all of this? Is he not actually betting all of right. these things? Is he not actually have this level of control is just saying it? I don't know. I think, I don't think he's just making it up either. So I, I think uh, if he's just throwing this stuff out there in, again, in what we look at as, as a potential violation of regulations in Pennsylvania, that's a problem. And maybe Pennsylvania will shrug its shoulders, but will everybody else, if, if this stuff is happening, I don't know. I don't think so. 
So, so Adam, if people just want examples for something like this, I mean, if you're going, if you're kind of sitting out there and you're kind of going, I don't, I don't really get it. What, what is the, what's the big deal here? Well, this is in theory, right? I, we're not saying at all disclaimer. I'm not saying at all that this happens. I'm just giving an example here. People are trying to connect the dots. Of, Hypothetically. Yes, like how this might go. Well, say he wants to bet a game and he is a key employee and has intimate knowledge of when a line is going to move a half a point one way or the other or something. And he would rather bet a line, bet a game at three as opposed to three and a half. But he knows if he holds out, this game is going to go to three because someone, you know, he's, he's intimately in, in the, when they're going to move the lines or whatever, or something like that, or when it's going to move off of a three or these different stuff. So, I mean, again, hypothetically, that's why this is kind of so important because you could game the system as it is. If you know, when a line is going to move, you can always get the better of it and you're going to get an unfair advantage over the rest of everybody else. And so there's there's reasons why these things exist. I agree with you, Matt, and I don't even know if it has to be that nefarious. Uh, I think it can be more about the perception than it is about the reality. You guys just talked about, is he embellishing or is he not? In the end, I don't know that it matters. I think the point is that if you're drawing the attention to Barstool Sportsbook and to Penn National for the question of, are you betting at your own book in such a way that is against the rules of either the book or of regulators or of just common sense policy, then you're bringing attention that the industry at large doesn't need. And I'm just frankly, continually shocked at the way Penn national has dealt with this. I mean, Penn national seems to have gone all the way in on Portnoy and realizes that, you know, you have to accept it for what it is and don't seem to be exercising the level of control that a company that has two seats on a seven person board, as Penn does on Barstool's board, could exercise that level of control. It's just it's shocking to me. And, you know, we are hearing from people in other markets overseas, back channel kind of stuff who are saying to us, what in the world is going on mm -hmm. over there? Like this is something that is beyond the pale. Yeah, I get I get this stuff all the time. Like like Adam says, like people just behind the scenes, like what? And this is not just this issue. Again, what we're talking about in the podcast about Barcelona, they're like flummoxed, like yeah. that they're they're using kids that they're they're this is their responsible gambling message that they're like all this stuff is like, do you know how quickly this would this stuff would get uh, shut down in the UK? Mm -hmm. That's the the wild part. And and you go back to, again to the the micro before we get to this. Like uh, Penn's uh, statement about this was, oh, it's just about promotional opportunities. Does that really make it any better if he just has control over promotion abilities? Like I want to bet on this. Here, do this promo so I can bet on it. Like that's uh, even that is like that's a, that's weird yeah. and should not be happening in, in in the market, right? Again, you know we're just we're just using his own words that he's betting and that he's right. uh, that he's got this level of control. If those things aren't true, then come out and say right. that, or 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 I think you're in trouble. And, 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 <laughs> you and, should be in trouble. And exactly, that's what we're saying. Like we don't we don't really know. All we can go on is what's being said, right? I mean, this could all be just smoke and mirrors, and and all for show, and all for the camera, and all for the social media. That's fine, I suppose, but. That's not being said. That's not being put out in statements. So that's kind of why we're questioning as to what really is going on here. But but Adam, I mean, look, they're in Pennsylvania. They talked. They, we know that they are going to be expanding their operations, and it looks like it's not going to be very long until they do. No, Michigan appears to be next. Uh, that's the word from the company. Uh, Penn National looks like it's saying Michigan next, and then they want to go live everywhere that mobile betting is legal in 2021. So. It won't be just Pennsylvania regulators looking at this, right? So what's going to happen is 
you know, if in 2021 they're in a dozen states, we're not just talking about the Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board. We're talking about any state level regulator who wants to get involved in this could have a question and come down on either Barstool or Penn National. Now, let's be clear also about one other thing. The Barstool folks want to say it's because it's Barstool. They hate us because they Mm. ain't us. This would be a question for DraftKings, for FanDuel, for PointsBet, for William Hill, for any other operator who chose to do this. The thing of it is, they're not doing it. And we've had a legal sports betting market in the U.S. for two and a half years where we haven't had any question that any comes anywhere near this. So it just happens to be Barstool who's doing it. So separate that out even from the responsible gaming piece that we've talked about before, where we say, what are you doing? That's irresponsible. The idea of a key employee slash principal dictating bets at his own sports book or in a scenario that you mentioned, potentially knowing what a line is ahead of time. It's not just going to bring down Barstool if that's the case. It's not just going to bring down Penn National. It is going to bring a mountain of regulation onto this industry throughout the United States. And it's going to be one bad actor doing stupid, stupid stuff. Who does it? Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and there's, you know, the response to this will be like, oh, yeah, right. Like, I know when a line's going to move. Well, you either control everything or you don't. Right. I mean, are you the boss or you're not? It's, 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 you know, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be picking and choosing as to like, how, oh, no, 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 I run all that. I don't run that. You know, we, I know the response to to all this stuff. And we're not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying in a hypothetical situation, that's why this matters, because that could, in theory, be something that, you know, I mean, uh, Adam, you and I know guys that that like tangible guys that, that move lines that decide when they're going to move lines. Like they know when a, when a thing's going from two and a half to three or three to three and a half or whatever, like we, we know these guys that make those decisions. And so there are those people who do exist. And so if you're, if you're saying that you're kind of running the show, would you be privy to that type of information? Who knows? I don't know, but I'm just saying it's a, it's like, we we keep going back to the optics thing. Us who know how things work, you you step back and you say, okay, worst case scenario that is happening. This, this, is a, this is horrible for the whole industry. It's not just for, for Barstool. And I think that's another message that I like to kind of want to get across. There's not like we're picking on a single entity here or a single company. We're kind of like just looking out for things in general, right? I mean, like let's still new guys, like let's not continue to like walk up right to that line every single time and see just how far we can push the line. Like every single time. I mean, Dustin, you mentioned it's, we're not that far removed from the stuff that went on the DFS and that wasn't even like stuff happening on within the own company. It was playing on the competitors, you know, site that like started all the the things in the DFS side of things. And so, I mean, this is just, uh, this is, we've kind of seen this play out already. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's important. And, you know, in, in Nevada, the one established market we have, this has not been going on either. Yeah. Like, if like we, we know people do bet who are involved, mm. but they go to other sports yeah. books to bet. It's not, yeah, this is not rocket science. <laughs> Don't bet in your own sports right. book. That's pretty easy. <laughs> right. I agree with you. Um, all right. So, DraftKings, we mentioned DraftKings a couple of different times here. So, let's go ahead and do our weekly DraftKings update. Dustin, are you about to retire off of your DraftKings stock? Man, I feel like I must have been slacking on DraftKings stock touting because <laughs> they're all the way down to forty five dollars. This is like a, a, a new low after in, in you know what I think times, we didn't talk about it last week still, on the pod is what it was. I think we didn't talk about the stock. I, yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, obviously, and, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I have I have not been putting out dollar sign PKNG <laughs> enough on the Twitter machine. I, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, we got we analysts who are now split. Not mm-hmm. everybody's like go buy DraftKings. We have somebody who uh, with Credit Suisse who's saying has a seventy six dollar target uh, and an outperform rating, while Deutsche Bank is pumping the brakes and actually has a, a forty eight dollar target, which is the first time we've seen any anybody kind of pumping the brakes on a gaming stock anytime lately. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, right now who knows? Dra- it was every until now it's been to the moon for every every gaming stock in the world including DraftKings DraftKings obviously we slowed down a little bit with its uh its new its new offering and uh discount that was offered on the stock versus that um so we'll see we'll see what's going on uh in the market uh, again we're not stock touts but you know right. people are still pretty high on DraftKings. It's just not quite as bullish as it was in the past, but uh, you know, right now gaming stocks continue to to go up and uh, other than DraftKings right now, which who knows if that'll change in the near term, near term. And Adam, we, we've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating that, you know, sportsbook offer uh, run these businesses on such slim margins, but we know that the online casino side of things is certainly incredibly incredibly profitable and they have started to dip their toe into that as well. We know there is an office presence here in Las Vegas that is ever growing that a lot of the portion of that is focused around online casino as well. And so I think maybe, and I'm just speculating here, we are not stock touts, not stock touts, not stock touts, but uh, we're, we're not stock touts here, but I imagine some of these longer term vision things here are probably looking at the fact that eventually there will be more states with online casino. Eventually just about every state will probably have online casino. And I say eventually, you know, in the next decade or something like that. And at that point, yeah, I mean, you know, these, these, these companies could, could actually just, just rocket ship when it comes as far as profits. And I think that's the case for projecting out the, I mean, I'm going to say staggering mm-hmm. multiples uh, that one analyst has put out there. I think the flip side is if fifths and butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry <laughs> Christmas, right? Like we still have to have a number of states come uh, not only to having sports betting, but to having online mm-hmm. casino. And what we've seen is that it's not a slam dunk that if you get online sports betting in a state that you also get online casino it is a severely limited market uh for what it is right now i mean basically you have new jersey and pennsylvania you're gonna have michigan um and and nobody else is doing it at the moment so if you're projecting out based on that then i think you have a long way to go one of the other things that i thought was interesting in that story was the idea that it's not just about DraftKings being a sports betting provider. It's that they're being valued sort of as a tech Mm -hmm. company, right? And we've heard this talked about before that it's a whole lot more about the tech than it is about what they're using the tech on. And so you could start to dream about, you know, if it's a tech company, what other applications could it have long down the line, right? I mean, we talked about DFS, we talked about sports betting, you know, now we're talking about casino, who knows what could be available down the line if your tech is that good? Well, Dustin, we were sitting here in a story that's over on LSR, and this kind of news went through earlier this morning was DraftKings had yet another deal uh, that was just getting solidified. And it was a little confusing because we knew that there was already a deal involved with this company with one of their competitors, but it seems like they're going to be able to coexist in different assets in different kind of lanes within the company. 
Yeah, this is uh, we've talked about this, the, the number of uh, media partners out there for sports betting. And this is the one I think we identified, which is uh, mm-hmm. Turner Sports, which also owns Bleacher, Bleacher Report, oversees TBS, TNT. Uh, we have this morning DraftKings and FanDuel both announcing separately, but almost in tandem that uh, FanDuel is, uh, is, a, is an operator that will get all of the rights to NBA content and, and advertising related to that. You know, obviously TNT, uh, their pregame show, everything that they do there. Uh, uh, that DraftKings gets uh, Major League Baseball and the PGA Tour also gets uh, if you know NCA ever comes around, Turner actually runs NCA.com and has uh, dibs on advertising there, according to our, our story from Brad Allen. So, uh, yeah, another just another one of those media deals that uh, has been sitting out there. We yeah, there had been a relationship with with Fandle already, but uh, yeah, we have just another one, another, another, de- another day, another deal mm-hmm. in the sports betting industry. And you now this should be, again, you're going to get a lot of front of uh, front of eyeballs. The NBA and, and Fandle have been, have been involved together for a long time. Uh, you know, the, the, the getting on baseball and, and PGA tour broadcasts potentially. And in front of those content, it's all, all things that dovetail with what Fandle and DraftKings are trying to do in their larger media strategy. Adam, I, you know, not really picking a winner in this because things could play out differently. Who knows down the line? But if you're FanDuel and you got in on the NBA product that is going on within Turner's organization, then that has to be where you are, where you're feeling pretty happy about your position there. I mean, uh, Dustin talked about it, but I mean, that show with 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 Shaq and Charles and Kenny and that show won incredibly hugely popular and then when you're having these guys actually talk about it pre-game post-game as to what you know Charles Barkley obviously we know is a big gambler anyway but he talks about I wish I could bet that game and whatever you know that means something to some people and that means something to, to someone who might be like Eh, you know what? I will bet that because Charles said that I think that's a big 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 win for FanDuel to get the basketball product Seems like a long time ago that uh, Charles Barkley was going to Dr. Afkings for advice <laughs> huh? Yeah, we've uh, we've come all the way around to this being a FanDuel product. Uh, No one show is more closely associated with its sport Mm -hmm. than inside the NBA is with that product. And beyond that, you have two hugely successful advertising personalities in Charles Barkley and, of course, Shaquille Mm -hmm. O'Neal. I mean, Shaq's name is on everything uh, seemingly these days. So getting that property alone is huge for FanDuel. And I think the NBA, again, you and I know this, we've talked about it in other ventures that we've been involved in. The NBA, in terms of in-play, is going to be a very popular product once it's grown out and matured. Yeah, seems like... When, wait, can Kenny Smith, can <laughs> can Kenny Smith still hawk at BetMGM? Because of, because of this deal, I'm just, this I'm just what realizing I'm saying, this. Right? These are the things I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to assume no, but I who knows? You know, I imagine... I mean, they've moved, they, I mean, they've moved on to Jamie Foxx, yeah. but, but bigger than Kenny Smith. But. Yeah. J- Jamie Foxx standing on the, on the water in the Bellagio fountains and having the fountains blow up behind him and saying, go bet on bet MGM. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's that works. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful. Can't imagine how much that cost them. I bet that was a pretty penny. Bet that was a pretty penny. Uh, Adam, we love to talk numbers. So let's go ahead. And uh, we really like to talk numbers when they are fairly staggering numbers. Let's, uh, let's talk those New Jersey numbers real quick. It kind of feels like every month the New Jersey Department uh, Division of Gaming Enforcement just sort of 
goes in and grabs a Sharpie and draws a number up on the board and says, what do you think? Would this be good? <laughs> like, this looks really good. Uh, and this month they wrote $748 million uh, on the board. Joking, of course, mm-hmm. that New Jersey market in September sets not only a state record, but another national record, breaking its own national record from last month. And think about what was on the September sports calendar. The NFL for three weeks. You also had college football. You also had the NBA and NHL playoffs, plus Major League Baseball. You pretty much had everything you could want in terms of a betting market to be on the board. So I would say this is probably the peak. I don't think October is going to have the chance to go higher than this just because you're going to pull some sports off the board. But who knows? I mean, football betting is only getting bigger. So you know that it's possible. Uh, 90% of those wagers were placed online. That is close to the peak of what we've seen from New Jersey. Of course, we know that market had been operating for most of 2019, around eight out of every 10. Now we're up to nine out of every 10. Not surprising during the pandemic and less people going to Atlantic City. So it's it's truly remarkable that we had set last year in March a national record in Nevada with over 600 million wagered in March Madness in that month. And now we're $150 million past it in New Jersey. And I think it's fair to say also the market is not completely at maturity, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, yes, you still have the New York City influence in New Jersey, and that can't be uh, that can't be taken out without affecting the numbers. But at the same time, we're still talking about only two and a half years. And this was something we talked about this months ago, that this was kind of forecasted by some of these people. They were saying, listen, if the demand and if everything keeps up, September is going to be an absolute monster month. And that is what we saw. And another one of these fairly new markets in Indiana, Dustin, is uh, is really making some noise as well. Yeah, we saw uh, just getting the first. That's one of the first states we get with the September numbers. Um, 207 million in handle, uh, better than their best, which is actually in February. This market's only a year old, so not even anywhere mm-hmm. near maturity there either. So this is, you know, these are we are seeing new new floors for what a what a big month will be. And and yeah, Adam's right. We're gonna October. Uh, September's kind of the perfect storm. We had a lot of sports still going on. We had the start of football. I mean, everything is still going to be big, but I, I guess I don't see October and, and the, the following months being that big. So we might have hit the big, the high, the high watermark. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking about this. As we talked this number. I mean, we, we keep looking at New York and whether they're going to legalize. Man, I start seeing a billion dollars almost in handle. That's what yeah. I mean. When you look at it next year, I mean, we're going to be approaching a billion dollars in, in monthly handle for a September, I think, in New Jersey next year. Right. Like I, if I'm looking at these numbers that does New York, I'm like, that starts like you start seeing three billion right. a month out, even though that's not that's not revenue. It's not revenue for the state. But I think that starts catching people's attention a little bit. More. Yeah. I mean, this is this is just two states right here in, in New Jersey in Indiana, we're basically at a billion dollars between those two states. We still will have Nevada numbers come out, which they, again, everybody we talk to thinks that September was going to be massive, massive for them. And so, I mean, we still have a bunch of numbers to, to come out here and I can't wait until we get those as well. But Adam, one of the numbers uh, didn't, didn't really fall in line with, with, with everybody else. That'd be uh, the old district of Columbia there. Yeah, D.C. is trailing by a long <laughs> shot. I'll get to that in just a second. I want to add mm-hmm. one point to the what we talked about with Indiana. Keep in mind that with in-person registration suspended in Illinois, we expected that Illinois bettors who were betting in Indiana would come back over to Illinois. Uh, Indiana still set a record mm-hmm. in September. So there's a reasonable question to be asked here 
with Chicago market having gone to Indiana for the better part of a year to place its wagers, whether or not they might be able to hold some of their customers. Uh, it should be really interesting to see because you have similar books operating in both states. And so what are they going to do? Do they want to pull those Illinois betters back into Illinois and cannibalize the Indiana market? It, it's going to be a really interesting thing to see play out between Illinois and Indiana with in-person registration uh, still suspended. Now, uh, in Washington, D.C., you mentioned the uh, the mobile sports betting and, and, and my goodness, Matthew, um, Three point three million dollars wagered mm. on the Gambit DC. Yeah, um, there was there was one wager this month place that was almost that much in another market. Um, Twelve million dollars <laughs> wagered at William Hill at their Capital One Arena temporary sports book. So four times the amount just on retail. And it's gotten to the point where people are willing to wait in line. Um, there was one tweet that we dropped into Matt Waters story about someone complaining to uh, Ted Leonsis saying, hey, can we do something about the hour long lines that we're waiting in to place bets? That's how much people hate the <laughs> interlock product that is being offered on an app that no, 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 no. I don't want to bet from home on my app. No, I know I, you. You want me to take minus 150 yeah. sides? No, no, no. I'm I'm going to go down to William Hill and place my bet in person, even if I have to wait for an hour. It's William Hill doesn't even have to do the marketing like Gambit is doing the marketing for them. It's literally like, hey, this is what you pay for this bet. And this is what you pay for this bet. You make the decision like, like you don't even have to like really do much yeah. more than that. Like, yeah, here's the price. Here's our price do what you want to do. I mean, that seems like it's crazy. I'm, I'm glad I'm, you know, look, I, I, I saw this morning, some renderings came out about what they're actually trying to, the final product of that William Hill book will look like. It looks really, really nice. And, you know, for those people there, I'm glad they at least have another option, even though it's not completely ideal for them in that market. Um, Dustin, so let's talk about uh, scorekeepers, which is a pretty interesting thing for the NBA. Of course, the NBA finals did conclude Lakers win favorites to do all that. The bubble success. I think I don't think anyone out there would say the bubble was not a huge, huge, huge success with everything the way the way it went down. But uh, just interesting about, uh, you know, story that does. I think it's worth looking into, at least anyway, bringing up for the fact that uh, scorekeepers do have a pretty big influence on things. Yeah, this is this is one of the more fascinating things I think we've seen at LSR recently. It's uh, it's about a study published by the in the Journal of Prediction Markets about official official scorekeepers in the NBA and how they're uh, some of them are skewing statistics. Now we don't really uh, not not any proof that this is related to betting markets, but this is a problem, right? We we're, we're uh, we're looking at statistics. They're supposed to be this is supposed the statistics supposed to be a, a thing, right? They're just they're concrete. They're things, but they there is a lot of of wiggle room, especially in the NBA on what on what's a statistic. Uh, the, the the biggest one is is rebounds. I think is what we saw is that there there are teams. And they're scorekeepers who are are not grading rebounds the same way everywhere. So this is, you know, if you're going to have an inflection point on gambling, like you don't need to get to the players. You don't necessarily need, need to get to, to referees. Even. You can get to a scorekeeper mm -hmm. potentially like that's a that's a potential problem. Again, we're not saying this is right. happening, but already we, we already have bias or problems in how how 
rebounds and, and some other statistics are, are calculated and, and scored like and, and it's also problematic in that we have the leagues t- coming back to us and saying oh official data that can only use official data the, if, if the official data is, is is suspicious as we see there uh, you know there's a problem there's like uh, there's a lot there's so many great quotes in this uh, the inconsistency here's one of them the, uh, the inconsistencies and biases also have monetary implications for fans who participate in fantasy leagues which rely on daily box score statistics and, and as we know you know from the from following daily fantasy, people have had problems mm-hmm. with how, how this stuff is scored for a long time and whether some things actually counts that counted as an assisted rebound, it should be a, a pretty black and white, but it's, there's some gray in there that let's, let's, let's some, some bias or some subjectiveness get in there. So really interesting topic. And, uh, and certainly one that where it bears watching as the, as us sports industry. Grows. Yeah. It's one of those things where I guess I never really thought about it, Adam. I mean, you see the parallel now though, the reason that a lot of Olympic sports aren't able to be bet on is because there's not a definitive yes, no, this did happen. This didn't happen. A lot of judging goes into Olympic sports. There's a lot of subjectiveness that goes into Olympic sports. It's not, Hey, a basket went through the hoop it counts for two points it's ah, i think that that person didn't land that quite as good so they get a 9.4 as opposed to a 9.5 and so we, we don't get to bet on that as much but there is subjectivity actually when it comes to scorekeepers and things like that i mean i think we've just become accustomed to the fact that umpires are just going to be part of baseball and there is a lot of sub- subjectivity in that but uh scorekeepers when it comes to statistics and specifically prop bets that you can make along the way there is at least a little bit of something i think to to look into i mean you can't get down a ton of money on most of these props as it is anyway so i don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze is trying to you know bribe a scorekeeper or something like that but um you know it's 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 a it's a it's worth a topic to talk about anyway i think i don't even know if you have to go as far as bribing the scorekeeper i think if you look at our story you see that you have about eight teams that are pointed out as being more favorable to the home mm-hmm. team in terms of how they grade certain stats. If you know that, then you know that if you want to go, let's say, play on the Dallas Mavericks mm-hmm. on rebound props, that you might lean toward the over, right? You might mm-hmm. lean toward over on any of these teams where they tend to be a little more lenient in terms of whether they give assists, right? Assist is a very subjective stat where you have to determine whether or not someone's pass led to the score, <laughs> right? Right. Like, right. I don't know. Did he take three dribbles before <laughs> it? Right. But if you know that these scorekeepers tend to be more lenient, then that's significant information. So it's a bigger question for us in terms of the betting industry about the official data, as Dustin just talked about, and that when you have single source data, that you will leave yourself vulnerable to these sorts of irregularities. Mm-hmm. And that requiring the use of official data as opposed to allowing leagues, uh, allowing, I should say, uh, sports books to make their own choice of whether to get it from the leagues or whether to get it from uh, another provider. That's the problem. The problem is requiring a feed that could potentially and we're not saying it is. We're just saying Mm -hmm. could potentially be subject to some level of irregularity or you need to then say to the league, Okay, we've spotted this irregularity and you need to do something about what's going on with your scorekeepers. Right. And and this is kind of like this goes back to the barstool thing and this as well. We're not saying anything is happening. We are not saying that anything nefarious is going on. 
it is just worth bringing these things up because it's better to be out in front of things as opposed to be always playing catch up and, and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely worth uh, bringing up with all these, all the, all of these things that we talk about here on the podcast for sure. Uh, Adam, let's close things out here. Something happened right down the road from us, unfortunately due to, Due to COVID and, and social distancing and all the stuff like that, we cannot go take this in in person, which is quite the bummer down the street at Shadow Creek, one of the most exclusive golf courses in the country. A big golf tournament is going on, the CJ Cup, with 19 of the top 25 players in the world are teeing it up uh, as we speak right now on Thursday over there. But one of the big announcements that came out a couple of days before this was going to go off was the fact that through Shadow Creek being owned by MGM, BetMGM already having a partnership with the PGA Tour. It seemed like the stars aligned here for this to be kind of a trial run as to how much betting content we are able to really put into a broadcast and us feel comfortable consuming it, making sense for the consumer and, uh, you know, being informative. I think that there is some informational stuff that comes from this as well. And we're going to find out because it's happening over the next four days. Let's start with the operative question here, Matt, because I have not had the opportunity to play Shadow Creek. Have you? I have ridden Shadow Creek um, multiple times. So I have done a bunch of uh, programming from out there, but I have never played Shadow Creek. I do at least know the course uh, fairly well. So I, I, when people talk about Shadow Creek, I can at least say like, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, a whole six over there. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I've ridden the golf cart around the, around the course about 10 times. That fair, that is basically the level of Augusta National that I have <laughs> where I can say, yeah, I've been there. I, I sure as hell haven't played there. Um, this is going to be really interesting because as you and I have discussed ad nauseum, mm-hmm. I'm sure to some people, uh, golf betting in terms of in-play is a huge opportunity. And I think you can take all sorts of angles when you look at this piece, right? Not only are you going to potentially drive engagement in a different way. A lot of people don't want to place a pre-tournament bet Try to have to pick from 60, 70, 80 golfers and figure out who they want to ride for an entire tournament. Uh, You don't want your bet necessarily to be dead on Thursday if a guy has a terrible round. So you can consume golf in a different way. You can consume it hole by hole. You can consume it hour by hour. You can consume it day to day as in Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you can do it while you're watching the broadcast. And you can have that visual feedback of seeing how a guy is playing and deciding whether you want to place a wager on it. Now, beyond that, the odds being integrated right into the broadcast, that I think exposes not only golf fans, but golf bettors to a whole level of information they might not Mm -hmm. have known was there in the first place, right? There are a lot of golf analytic stats that only folks who follow the sport very closely tend to be versed in. And I'll be very honest, there's some that I know well, and there's some that I really don't. I mean, I'm looking forward to being exposed to new things by watching this broadcast. So You come to a sport where I think everyone who has played this game at some level has gone out and when they've gone out in a foursome with their friends, had some level of a bet on playing golf together, right? So I don't think it's all that shocking for folks to see betting on golf integrated into TV the way that it would with baseball or hockey or or, or other sports. It's going to be a really fascinating thing to watch. And Dustin, one of the things about golf is we know it's kind of seeing a little bit of a renaissance right now. The, it used to be one of these deals where you were like the average golf fan was in his late fifties, early sixties. The kids were not into golf anymore. And what we started to see is that age has started to tick down a little bit. The viewership, numbers have started to tick up a little bit for those younger viewers. And if anything, 
I think bringing something like this makes golf seem even kind of cooler, if you will. I mean, a lot of this has to do with the fact that there's a ton of young stars on tour right now. And I think a lot of kids look to these guys and like, that guy's only 23 and he's doing this only 22. And, and I think there's a lot of that that's happening, but I think this can add a coolness factor to golf as well, which can also help the sport overall can also help it from a betting standpoint. Cause obviously the more interest in a sport, the more money that's going to be flowing into a betting market. The one thing that I, one of my biggest complaints about golf always was the fact that they didn't talk about the money enough. Like there are putts that come down to like, on a hole 18 that's worth a couple hundred grand sometimes. And they don't ever say, wow, if he makes his putt, he's going to make 600 grand. If he doesn't, he's going to make 400 grand. I think that makes that putt a lot more interesting to the viewer at home. And that's something that the, the analysts never, ever talk about. And at least now, as long as they don't shove it down our throats, as long as it's not every single shot, he's like, oh, he's going to be plus 108 if he puts this within 10 feet or so, you know, as long as it's like not that on every, as long as it's not just like over the top, I think this is just really, really massive for the game because I think, as Adam mentioned, just getting the exposure out there that people didn't even know, oh, I can bet this even as the tournament's going on. I can bet this is a type of bet that I can make in a golf market and stuff like that, I think is pretty, pretty huge. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you where if it's if it's obnoxious, mm-hmm. then then you lose the cool factor. But I, I don't think it's going to be that that bad. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I got to give kudos to the PGA Tour for kind of breaking the ice mm-hmm. on this. This is the first time you're going to see really see it in one of these major sports being given to, to viewers. And I'm with you like golfer. And we all know people gamble on golf. The golfers gamble between each other too, right? Yeah. Even in the pros you're, you have, they probably have side bets within when they're probably playing a tournament. Hell, Shadow right? Creek is uh, probably had more money change hands on that course than any course in the country. I mean, like that is like the type right. of money games that get played out there. So yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it's a game yeah. built around gambling. But yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see how it is. I mean, we'll see how quickly other other leagues follow. But PGA Tour has been kind of on the same path as as Major League Baseball and the NBA. So I I don't know how quickly we'll see this, but I gotta see think we're gonna start seeing more integration as as the PGA Tour kind of breaks the the, the glass ceiling on this. And Adam, I, to to kind of put a bow on this, but I think one of the things that that you mentioned is really the the factor here in all this is. I, everybody knows you can bet on golf. You can bet on all the sports. We like everybody realizes you can bet on golf. I don't know if a lot of people realize that there are bets that you can make outside of just who's going to win the tournament, because there are a lot of people who I know who are betters who didn't know stuff about, you know, head to heads and groupings and, you know, whatever the the various in-game bets that they're going to be talking about that BetMGM is going to be offering for this tournament. And I think from a standpoint for not only for golf, but for BetMGM as well, having this type of showcase to be like, no, 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 no. You don't have to just place the one bet and then wait four days to see if you're going to win your bet or not. You can place that bet but then you can also continue to place this bet and this bet and this bet and this bet and this bet over the course of the next four days. And you can have all kinds of action and you can literally be sweating each, every hole. If you want to do that, just exposing people to the vast menu that is actually available is, I think is a really, really huge moment for again, not only golf, but for, for bet MGM as well. And if you take that and take the picture out even a little bit wider and say, what is the future of the U S sports betting industry? it's bringing in those casual mm-hmm. players, right? It, it's whether sports betting Twitter likes it or not, it is about expanding the universe. And when you make a sport like golf that can be very intimidating to try to bet more accessible, mm-hmm. 
then you bring people in in terms of engagement and you bring them in with in-play betting and these alternate markets in terms of segmented and fragmented engagement, mm -hmm. right? The problem with golf is more that it's hard to get someone to sit down and watch an entire round or God forbid, an mm -hmm. entire tournament. Um, so to get them in in a way where they're going to watch less and have a bet they can understand more that isn't necessarily who's going to win because you feel like you're throwing a dart right. a lot of the time. Let's just bring up another market you didn't mention, but that I know you and I have talked about plenty top 10s mm -hmm. and top 20s right if i feel like a guy is a good player and i just want to say well i think he's going to play well this week i don't know if he's going to win but i think he's going to play well then you can play those other alternate markets as well that give you a chance to win even if your guy is not the mm -hmm. champion and those are dynamic markets as well and that's the other thing that i think you know uh, the casual better probably doesn't know that those update after round one and you can bet that for round two and round right. three you know who's going to win who's going to be a top 10 who's going to be a top 20 like these are all dynamic markets that are changing along the way and i think that's the type of stuff that they'll probably highlight in this broadcast and when we get done here i can't wait to check out what's going on with all of that and uh you know we'll we'll give our fair critique of it whenever we uh, come back on the pod next week guys as always everything that we talk about here on the pod you can find over at legalsportsreport.com you should definitely go in subscribe rate and review to the podcast if you haven't already it really helps us climb those charts and also it'll just be at your wherever you like to listen podcasts ever soon as we post it it'll pop right into your thing for you so that's definitely the way we want to go you should follow dustin galker on twitter at dustin galker you should follow adam candy at adam candy to ease no why you should never follow me but if you want to at matt brown m2 for Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment so you drive right to mcdonald's to pick up something extra delicious asap meal thank you there's a meal for every moment at mcdonald's buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning like a sausage mcmuffin or hash browns ba -da -ba -ba -ba. prices and participation may vary valid for product of equal or lesser value cannot be combined with any other offer combo meal valid when product served reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.